Found in everything from baby bottles to contact lenses, tooth sealants to soda can linings, bisphenol A or BPA is a chemical component of plastics. It's used to make them more resilient. But what is our current state of understanding regarding the true risk to humans? Should we be advising patients to avoid exposures to BPA found in countless food and beverage containers? The chemical is a recognized hormone disruptor. Recent studies have raised concerns about a potential link between BPA and cancers, as well as obesity. Some states have even moved to ban the chemical in children's products. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jim Keeney, emergency physician at Mission Hospital Regional Medical Center. Our guest is Dr. Retha Newbold, developmental reproductive biologist for the National Institute of Environmental Health Services. For over 30 years, she studied the effects of various endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and she maintains an active research program focused on the role of estrogens in abnormal and normal development. Welcome, Dr. Newbold. Good morning. So I sit here looking at my ever-present bottle of bottled water and think, huh, is this a behavior that I need to change? And before we get to that, I need to back up with you a little bit and ask, how are humans exposed to BPA? Well, the primary source for exposure is through the diet, but we can also be exposed in the air we breathe, through the dust, just even household dust, and in the water. As you just mentioned, there are a number of products that do have BPA, polycarbonate plastics that we use in food and drink packaging, water and infant baby bottles, these plastic bottles, compact discs, eyeglasses, a number of impact resistant safety equipment, and even some medical devices. So I'm reading a statement from a group from NIEHS, and it's saying that we are confident that adult exposure to BPA affects the male reproductive tract and that long-lasting organizational effects in response to developmental exposure to BPA occur in the brain, the male reproductive system, and the metabolic processes. And then regarding females, it says that we consider it likely but require further confirmation. Can you tell me what biological effects you think are likely in humans related to BPA? The statements that you just mentioned were really referring to data that's been accumulated from experimental animal studies. Now, if we take that data and we look at biological effects in humans, some of the things that physicians might see... And again, I have to you know, point out that we don't have any specific data that we can call on for humans. But some of the things they might look for is perhaps abnormal sexual development. That would be maybe abnormal development in the male as far as the penis is concerned. And I'm talking about you know, sexual organs. You may see early sexual maturation or early puberty in females. There may be some tendency for seeing behavioral changes, hyperactive disorder like ADH or autism. You may see some changes as far as obesity. I mean, we know that these things are happening anyway, but these are things that might happen as far as children are concerned. Now, for adults, there may be some changes as far as problems with fertility. And there may be some associations with prostate and breast cancer. But again, these are things that have been theorized for the human population. And these are worries that many of the scientists that are finding these things in experimental animal systems, they are suggesting that we look for this 
and look for correlation in the human population. But again, we don't have that information. So we're extrapolating this data from animal studies. But what I'm wondering is what changed? Because it seems that a lot of these animal studies have been there for quite a while. And yet, within the last year, it appears that the stance on those studies has changed. My understanding was that they were ignoring, or not ignoring, but discounting the studies related to parenteral exposure and giving more weight to the exposure that was ingestions. And now we've changed that stance. Is that correct? There's a lot that's been going on, and it's like a moving target almost because we're finding out more information, more scientific and mechanistic information almost every day on this particular chemical and other endocrine-disrupting chemicals. At one time, we thought that there was a particular safe level that everybody was exposed to that was acceptable. And now we're finding out from animals' data that even very low levels of exposure can have effects. So that's a part of the concern because we know from studies from the CDC, that's the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they've gone in and they have measured amounts of bisphenol and some other chemicals in urine samples from a large population of people in the United States. And 93% of that population has levels of BPA in it. And people sort of look at the CDC, this information is being representative of what the exposures are in the United States. So we know that there is human exposure. What we don't know is if this is related to harmful effects. But experimental animal data suggests that abnormal or adverse effects can happen at these levels. Recently, when the National Toxicology Program had a press release that really brought this to the forefront of the media's attention, in that instance, did something change at that time? Or is this, again, as you're stating, kind of a buildup of information that has come to a head at this point? Well, I guess it was a few months ago, the National Toxicology Program actually reviewed the literature and put together a lot of the experimental animal data and they did issue a report and in that report they said that there was some concern for the effects on brain behavior and also prostate and mammary gland. So that's the effects of bisphenol A on these particular systems. That report again sort of consolidated a lot of the information that we're just now reaching some concern. Now, they rank that as some concern. Now, that's based on like a five-level tier of concern. So that's about a midway. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jim Keeney, and our guest is Dr. Retha Newbold, a developmental reproductive biologist for the National Institute of Environmental Health Services. Dr. Newbold, Are certain populations at a greater risk to exposure, for example, pediatric patients, pregnant patients, patients with certain medical conditions such as diabetes or cancer? Now, all of my work has been with exposures that have happened during development. So that specifically is my worry. So that would be your pediatric patients and perhaps the pregnant woman too. What we know with developmental exposures and even early childhood exposures, is that there's a lot of developing systems that are still going on. It's going on in experimental animals, but it's also going on in humans. And what happens is if you get exposure to 
any of these endocrine-disrupting chemicals, BPA, for example, that it can cause long-lasting effects. The exposure may be there, and it's happening just during this time of development, and then the exposure may go away. But what happens is that these systems, these developing systems, are programmed. And you may have an irreversible change. And you may not even notice it. You may not even see it. But it will cause a change so that later on in life, perhaps these individuals will be more susceptible to disease. We have examples in the animal models that there's a relationship between exposure to prenatal BPA and the development of childhood and adult obesity. I think the major concern with BPA so far has been with reproductive changes and behavioral changes, but there's good experimental animal evidence to suggest that obesity and the development of type 2 diabetes may also be related to this developmental exposure. Now, that really doesn't speak to exposure of adults. Now, if you're talking about adult exposure, Oftentimes what you see there is this chronic exposure that lasts throughout lifetime. And we do know that we have human exposure that is chronic. So we really don't know what the effects are of this long-term chronic exposure. Most likely it would be different than the developmental exposures. But again, my concern has been mainly with developmental exposures. So it sounds like we do have reason for concern at this point, but we don't really have good, solid, firm answers that we can hang our hat on. That's correct. What I'm wondering then is, is there a recommendation at this point that doctors should be advising their patients, you know, avoid this when you're pregnant, avoid using plastic bottles for your children or any specific recommendations like that, or do we just not know? I think it's a matter of I'm really concerned about not causing like increased panic, especially with young parents. But there are just precautionary things that we can suggest. And again, as you say, avoid using plastic containers whenever possible. Of course, I don't think if someone uses a plastic container for one particular time that it's going to be, you know, that serious of an event. But we're talking about continuous use? Are we talking about the amount of body burden that's actually accumulating from exposures to BPA? So just a precautionary measure. Don't heat foods in plasticware. Use glass or stainless steel or porcelain, you know, whenever possible. But definitely don't microwave. And don't clean your plasticware with harsh detergents because that causes more BPA to leach out. And don't cover foods with plastic wrap when you're heating. Even if it doesn't touch the food? Throw a piece of paper over top of your food. These are just things, precautionary measures. Now, I appreciate most of those, but the one that really gets me is the low-level exposure. I, for example, at work in the emergency department, will drink two bottles of bottled water every single day. And you look at people who drink sodas that are lined, those cans are lined with plastic, and they'll drink one or two or more sodas every day. And you start adding these up, and you realize that all of us, to a very large extent, are exposed to this on a regular basis. That's right. And so that makes me really wonder, is that a habit that we should change? You know, even drinking one or two sodas a day, every day, is that a habit that should be changed? 
it seems like to me we could go back to, you know, using glass or using stainless steel. I mean, not only do we have to worry about exposing ourselves to BPA, but we're also contributing to the landfill problem. <laughs> exactly. Again, these are things that I think that just taking these into consideration and a one-time exposure, I don't know that that's going to be an issue. But we're exposed to so many different endocrine-disrupting substances, and we're exposed to a number of things that have BPA that we don't even know where they are. So why not decrease the things that we do have some knowledge about? Why not decrease it where we can? I want to thank our guest, Dr. Retha Newbold. We've been discussing the recent concerns over human exposure to bisphenol A. I'm Dr. Jim Keeney. You've been listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD and the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. 